friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How's everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time it is that you're listening. So happy to be back on the mic with you guys. Happy Art Basel and happy almost mid-December. I really just don't know where the time is going, but I am thriving but exhausted. I am happy but ready to sleep for a month after Art Basel. And yeah, I'm I'm just so grateful right now that I'm able to work from anywhere and work remotely because I have my own business, that I'm able to go to all of these incredible events during the day and also stay out late at night having a great time with friends and meeting people. And honestly, Art Basel is one of my favorite weeks of the year, but it is a doozy. There's just so much going on. You literally can't go to everything. There's just so many things happening and you can go to art basel and not see one piece of art like there's a way to do basel that you don't see any art there's a way to do basel that's all partying and then there's a way to do basel that's like networking and work events and then i like to do a combination of all three so the last two days have been a lot of networking events and then partying at night tomorrow is going to be primarily art and then saturday is a wellness day and sunday is more of like partying and fun Um, I have a networking event tonight and yeah, taking it easy though, because tonight is going to be the coldest night of the year. So definitely going to take it easy. It was really cold last night and I can feel myself getting a little bit of a sore throat. So apologies for that. But honestly, things are really fun. I'm feeling good. My calendar right now is really stressful to look at and I have a lot of work to do, but it was nice to you know, be able to take time off to really do all those things the last few days. And then tonight, just taking it easy, the networking event, coming home and getting some much needed sleep before the last few days of the week. And then going to really just, you know, get back into my wellness routine, yoga, golf, beach days, hanging out with my family that I really haven't seen at all this week. And then it's pretty much Christmas, and I cannot believe that Christmas is already here. It's also Hanukkah. I think today is the first day. Correct me if I'm wrong. So happy Hanukkah to all of my friends who celebrate. And yeah, I'm. this is my favorite time of year. I'm a winter baby or fall baby going into winter, November. So I love, you know, feeling cozy and putting on a sweater and leather and boots and, you know, warm drinks and but you know it's like sunny and 67 degrees right now and it is literally my ideal weather i was sitting outside by the pool with a sweatshirt on in the sun it felt so good to work outside and yeah things are just are we're we're thriving you know got the dogs next to me we're hanging out and it's time to get back to the grind today but i have a really exciting conversation for you guys today let's do a quick suck and sweet of the week and then we will dive right in so my suck of the week is that I'm getting a little sick because I'm not sleeping as much as I would like to be sleeping, but there's just so much going on. You can't, um, but yeah, so definitely tonight I'm taking it easy and then Saturday I'll probably take it easy as well. And then Sunday, you know, Sunday can't go too crazy because got to go to work on Monday morning. Um, but yeah, just, you know, feeling a little under the weather, but you know, we're going to readjust tonight and then we'll be good to go. My suite of the week is, like I said, the gratitude for my career and the ability to do what I do and also go to all the events that I get to go to. And I feel like I'm really coming into my own in the city. I'm making the right connections. I'm meeting people. I am booked and busy in the best way possible. Apologies for the noise behind me. And 
this event that I went to, the Unlocked Foundation, I'm going to link them below. Their mission is to equip women with the tools and the resources and the network to help them bridge the pay gap and close the pay gap, which is directly in correlation with the generational wealth gap. And just the amount of people that I have met and the stories that I have heard in the last few days through this organization, forever grateful to Shermeen. She was a guest on the podcast, episode 50, to introduce me to Severi, who's the executive director of the Unlocked Foundation. I'm dying to have Severi on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Um, but just meeting these women who are partners at big law firms, you know, finance directors at big banks, and they are on this mission to help women get paid what they're worth and know what to do with that money. Yeah, you can make a lot of money, but then not knowing what to do with it and letting it just sit there and not work for you and know that it can work for you and money isn't a dirty word is so empowering and I have so many notes. I'm going to do a TikTok series on it. I was telling them last night. Just stay tuned. going to be a lot of content coming about Unlocked and their panel and their programming and their messaging and what they're setting out to do because I feel so passionately about it and I'm so grateful too that I grew up being surrounded by people who aren't afraid to talk about money and that I know what the hell I'm doing with my money and I had the people in my life to help me get there. I had a call with who is going to be my CPA starting January 1st and I'm super excited to finally invest in a CPA that is going to help me not only do my tax returns and know what my books are and know what my what's coming in what's going on and how much i'm making but also help me plan for my future so i can buy a house so i can invest in real estate and in businesses so i can travel the world and so i can have a family that is happy healthy and and having fun and doing the things that we want to do and then giving back to my community and leaving an impact and leaving a legacy so just having these conversations is so so incredibly important and i'm just grateful for the opportunity to know these women and be around them and be in the same rooms that is the first step and usually the hardest so just you know, feeling really grateful this week. And that's my sweet is that I get to spend an entire day on Tuesday from two to nine, two to midnight, basically. I was with these women and panels and having these conversations and then going to a really beautiful dinner and meeting friends and getting content and just having so much fun. And yeah, so I cannot complain. Our puzzle has been really, really good to me this year and it's only my second one and I can't wait to see what comes next. But yeah, let's talk about Alex Porterfield, this week's guest, and she is an online business manager and she supports influencers. And we talk about what that is, the difference between an OBM and a virtual assistant, what an OBM does, and how to get started and how she started her business. She's an entrepreneur just like me. She started off in the dance and theater and acting world, and she was an army kid or military kid. I don't know specifically which branch. But she was an army kid. She moved around a lot. She knows how to network and knows how to talk to people and the power and the importance of that. And she lives in Las Vegas. She went to the Vegas Grand Prix, which I'm so jealous of. I don't think we talk about it on this episode, but the day that we met, she was like going to the Grand Prix the following week. And I was like, wait, I just need to, can I be you? Can I come? Her and I had so much fun talking And I love following her and being in her vicinity and being in her network. And she is someone I really look up to in this space. You know, I admire women who 
take all their skills and use them and start their own thing and realizing that skills are transferable and that's my goal with this podcast is to give you guys different stories different perspectives so you know what skills you want to acquire and own in on and build the career of your dreams the life of your dreams and giving you multiple different people who have all these different platforms and lives and careers to help you figure out which one is the best one for you and pick and choose take what you want leave what you don't and you make it work for you but my goal is to have these candid combos to give you that information and that guidance and connect you to the people that are going to help you get there so that is exactly what we're doing in this episode thank you so much alex for reaching out to me and her team and i hope you guys enjoy this conversation so if you like this episode please leave a rating and review please subscribe to the show share with a friend tag us as you're listening let me know who you want to see next and what you want me to cover next and i will see you on the flip side of our puzzle and i hope you guys have a happy hanukkah and happy holiday season and i will talk to you guys very very soon meet alex so alex what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you Oh, um, let's see. Like not prepared for creative questions. Um, let's see. I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty like you get what you get kind of person. Like I'm very much, I think I bring my full self to my, my content. Like I'm very goofy. I'm very strategic, professional, like sassy. Maybe people wouldn't know I'm actually an introvert. Like those creative bursts I get in all the content I create is very much like when I'm feeling it. So yeah, maybe people wouldn't know that. Like I'm very reclusive and need to be left alone a lot of the time, (laughs) even though I am very social and outgoing, my battery dies fast. And I'm like, okay, I need to not be bothered or contacted for, for, for a bit while I re recharge. No, I am the same exact way. I think I'm an extroverted introvert. And I I like to say that, like, I, when my battery's at a hundred, I need to go spend it. And like, I need to go, like, go wild. That's when I'm super creative. I'm super chatty. I want to talk to everybody. And then when my battery's getting low, I need to go hibernate and recharge. And it's like a cycle like that. And so like two weeks of the month, I'm like really, really chatty. And then like, maybe like the last. Well, And I'm learning so much more about our, our cycles as women, our menstrual cycle. I was just, I, I was on a call with my students this morning and I was telling them like, it is wild how it affects my work energy. And I've really leaned into that more this year. And I've like tracked my cycles. I've taken my notes. I'm like, okay, these are the two weeks I'm going to be feeling amazing and on fire. So I know I'm going to be very content heavy. I'm going to be very creative and energized. And it's okay if the two weeks after that, I'm low, I'm exhausted. I want to burn my business down. Like that is not real. That is just my hormones, my body, my brain. And that's been actually really helpful for me this year. Yeah, for sure. Hormone levels are huge. I I got a lot more into that as well while I was in law school. And I got off birth control. I think August was two years. So yeah, like two years ago while I was in law school and I I would start being a lot more in tune with that. I was actually checking my cycle this morning. Yeah. Um, funny enough. But yeah, I love no, the, um, the Stardust app. Which app do you use? I use Flow. I've never heard of Stardust. Oh, Flow. Okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. Stardust is like the woo-woo witchy one where it like tells you what phase you're in. It tells you like what workouts might feel good, like what food would be good for you. I love it. And you can like, (laughs) 
it tells you like based on when you were born, like what moon you were born under. It's very, very woo woo for yeah. my. I'll witchy check girls. it out. I like, I like, yeah. a, I like a mix of woo woo and like practical. But I have a yeah. It's all. It's a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends who are more on like the really woo woo side or like the like they change their diet and their cycles and their workouts based off of the phase that they're in. And I'm like, yeah, That's it's real for me. Like <laughs> remember, but like I see the. I, I see the value in this. However, for sure. Yeah. That's like not something game. I can keep up, you know, you're like, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's nah, not for me, but you're like, I'm just, I'm just going to vibe. I'm just going to see how I feel. Yeah. Like, but I, I tend to know like when I'm ovulating, like my body, I'm very in tune with my body and I know like, yeah. when I get my period and when I'm like, you know, cycles over like time, like now yeah. I have energy, like it's, it's funny, but yeah, that does really affect your yeah. creativity and how your work products and your energy. And it's funny, you were like, you, your really creative side comes out when you have those bursts of energy and the exact, oh same, my God. which is why I just hired two assistants to help me with the creative side. And like, perfect example this morning, I was like texting her. So I texted one of them really late last night. Like, what could we do something like this? Like this idea that I saw another lawyer do, I was like, can we do something with this? And this morning she like sent me, her like mock-up like her first idea and I was like oh my god obsessed I'm like I could like wow ever... why didn't I do this sooner <laughs> yeah I'm like I would have never come up with this like my brain just doesn't work that way like on the one yeah. time a year that like it does work that way but like that's funny that so perfect segue into what you do you started a business helping people become virtual assistants and online business managers but that wasn't the initial plan like how did all of yeah. like take it back like who was Alex growing up as a kid? What did she think she wanted to do? Oh my God. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So I've lived many lives in this, in this one so far. So I'm an only child of two Air Force parents. So I moved every two years. I think that's where a lot of my uh, socialness, outgoingness, you know, I've, I had, I walked into classrooms in the middle of a school year, not knowing anyone. And I was like, hi, I'm Alex. What's your name? Like, I've always been very good at networking. And I think it's, it's come from my childhood of just having to walk into a room, not knowing anyone um, and building that muscle. But yeah, growing up, you know, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a crime scene investigator. I wanted to be a cashier because they had the fun, long acrylic nails. And I was like, oh, I love those. I want to do that. <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor, a news anchor, and so many other things. And it wasn't until my senior year of high school when I went to like a summer theater camp and I was like, wait, I could, I could do this for a living. I could be an actor. And I was like, okay, done. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an actor. So I can just pretend to be all the things that I've ever wanted to be. And so I moved to New York city at 18 to pursue my degree in acting, which I have now, um, thought I was going to be a TV star. That was the plan. I was going to be an actor. And then once I graduated and actually had to do the thing and audition and and show up to the lines around the block and do the the thing I went to school for. I I realized I was like, oh wait, this is actually like so much more work than I thought it was going to be, and I just don't want it badly enough. Um, I have always been very Type A Capricorn, like love a schedule, love a routine, love a plan. Still do, 
And I realized it, you know, 22, when I graduated, I was like, I really just like, I want a career. I want a desk. I want responsibilities. I want a steady paycheck. And, um, so I did that. I, I pivoted. I started working at a talent agency as an assistant and got to really apply my actor knowledge to the business side of the industry, which I just, and I did a bunch of internships throughout college at talent agencies, casting offices, Broadway production offices. And I just loved, I loved the behind the scenes stuff I always have. And so then I was like, great, I'm going to be a talent agent. So I worked my way up to a junior talent agent. I got to support some just incredible actors in theater, TV, and film. And then again, I was like, mm, well, yeah, I don't know. Don't know if I'm in love with this. And at the time I, I was working Saturdays at a celebrity tattoo shop just for some, some extra money working on the side, you know, talent agency assistants don't make that much money. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's get creative. Let's, let's start a side hustle. So I'm working at a tattoo shop and they eventually poached me and brought me on full time. So I did that for a couple of years and that was super fun. Very cool job. I did a bunch of stuff with them. And when I got laid off during COVID, again, I, I had a virtual assistant side hustle while I was at the tattoo shop. I've always had kind of something on the side while working. And yeah. when I got laid off and I realized, oh, I kind of like this virtual assistant thing. I was helping an influencer friend at the time. And I, for years had been journaling, you know, my manifestations of like, I dream of working remotely. I want to travel the world. I want to make money from anywhere. I want to spend more time with my family. Like I just, all these things. And that is literally what I'm doing now. I work remote. I make money from wherever I want. I'm spending more time with my family. I'm helping other women build their empires. And it's just, you know, what started as a virtual assistant side hustle grew into all right, I'm taking, I'm, I'm putting all my time. I'm going to start this business and I'm, you know, two and a half years in now and I now coach women. So I was a virtual assistant, became an online business manager and now an online coach. So, so many evolutions of what I've, <laughs> what I do in life. Yeah. But I think that's so important that you, you leaned into the pivot because so many people are afraid of it. It's like, okay, I don't like this, but like the golden handcuffs and like, they're like too afraid mm. to leave or like, they're like, I, the imposter syndrome or like, I can't do that because X, Y, Z. And it's like, if you're not happy, do something about it. Don't come. Well, in about I, you like, know, like, thank God I got laid off because I would have stayed until I had the next thing lined up or until I figured out what that other thing that would be, that would make me happy. I am so glad I got laid off my I was, I I still have the video of me crying in the backseat of my Uber up the West side highway, heading home. I was like, I have to document this moment because I know it's going to be a catalyst for me. And I look back on that video. I was so lost. I was so hurt. I thought I, I'm like, how could they let me go? I'm so good at what I do. Like, but you know, COVID finances, uh, so many, so many companies were hit hard and I would have, I would have stayed though, because I, I, I would be too scared to take the leap and, and to try something. So thank God the universe was like, mm, no, we're going to pull the rug out from under you now. 
because I woke up the next day and I was like, all right, this is my sign. Like I am done playing small. I'm going to see how this goes. I had two months severance. So I was like, okay, I have two months to make this work. And here we are. That, yeah, that's also a good point too of like, and it helps that you had that severance and you had, yes. And I think having a plan and giving yourself like not a hard cutoff, but like, I'm going to give it my all for X amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then I'll see what happens. And if it, if you, let's say it didn't work out in two months, like we know that's not the case, but let's say had it not worked out, at least you learned something in those two months that you could have used to help inform the next chapter. And like, I can relate so much to, you know, you went to school for something and you realize like, "Mm, that's really not what I want to do with my life. I can totally relate like that happened to me with law school I did not want to go work in a mm-hmm. traditional firm setting and I was like how can I use everything I've learned here because it's very valuable and I spent a lot of money on it and I do literally a lot of aspects and how can I make it tailor my lifestyle the what I yeah. want which is to travel yeah. to help people that need help that don't realize that they need help and can't afford the big firms because the big firms aren't even doing this kind of work and you know, I, I asked myself a lot of those same questions that you, you asked yourself. And I think that's super important um, to recognize, like, you know, a job is important, but it's also like, it's not like I, in the U S we have the like live to work culture and mm. Europeans tend to be the opposite of work to live. And that's more my speed. Like I, yeah. a job is a paycheck. It's, it funds my life, but it's not my entire life. There's still so many other things I want to do outside of work. And I wanted to have a career that I could still do other things besides work. So I think yeah. that, thing that was important to you as well. Like you traveled a lot, like you wanted to be able to continue that lifestyle, like you enjoyed it. Well, the cool thing, you know, about starting my own business, like Yes, I do have more work-life balance. I have more freedom. I literally decide what I want to do each day. I decide who I want to work with, how much I want to charge. I don't need to ask for time off, but like there's the, there was this shift now. And I mostly, I really have felt that this year since really leaning into my coaching programs, uh, which truly is like my biggest passion ever. It It's now like being an entrepreneur, you don't clock in and clock out. Like you are constantly thinking about your business and hopefully it's a business you love that you're obsessed with and it doesn't bother you that you're consumed by it. Like I will be sitting on the couch on a Saturday and all of a sudden get a download, get an idea. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Got to whip out my laptop and I've mapped out a whole new program. My team like every time I'm on a team call, I'm like, okay guys, so I have this new idea and they're just like classic Alex, just like coming up with random things and mapping it out completely. Like it's just a running joke on my, in my team. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't clock in and clock out. Even when I'm on vacation, I'm thinking about my business. It is so, it is all consuming, but like in the best way, because I love what I do so much and I love supporting my students. Like I'm just, I'm always, I'm always in it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I that's see like, yeah, those are the two facets of it though. I mean, like if like, it doesn't feel like work because you love it so much. And like, I don't agree with the, if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. 
because you're actually going to work 10 times harder. So much more. You're going to be and so much more doing so much more. Yeah. Because it's your baby. It's your life. And it's, it, if you don't work, you don't make money. But it's, yeah, it's don't make work. money. It's yeah, it's fun. It's like you said, it's your greatest passion ever. Yeah. And so I don't mind having an idea at three o'clock in the morning and like jumping yeah. out of bed and being like, I need to write this down. This, this yeah. podcast was born that way. I love it. You know, but I'm the same way. I'll get an idea and it's like, hold on, pause. Let me write this down before I like, it's like writing a song on a napkin when the idea starts. It's like, yeah, no, I literally was just on a family vacation in Texas, uh, on a longhorn ranch. And before we headed out for work for the day, I all of a sudden got an idea, mapped it out, sent it to my team. And I'm now, you know, it's now being sold. It was sold for my black Friday. So like, I just, I have an idea. I get excited. I make it happen and we do it. So that's also yeah. the cool part of running your own business. You don't need to get approval <laughs> from anyone. Yeah. No, that's huge. And that's going back to the teams. And I want to break down the difference between a virtual assistant and an online business manager. I just think it's really cool that you have an idea. Now you have a team to implement it. And that's yeah. where I want to go now that I've been doing this for a year. I realized, and I always knew logically that it couldn't just be me all the whole time, yeah. but I didn't, I, I was like mid 2024 going into 2025. I really thought I was going to do it a whole lot longer on my own, but it just, I can't, you can't, you need to mm-hmm. start, you know, kind of hire before you're ready, but be smart about it and start delegating. Yep. You can do the part you're really good at, but have a yep. team of people that you trust exactly. that are engaged and are they're bought into your idea. Like my group chat with my assistants is called half-baked ideas because I it's like, it. I will have an idea, but it's not a fully thought out idea. And then they are the ones that bring it to life. And it's like, yeah, they bring me back something. I'm like, oh my God, that's even better. You're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love that. That's kind of how you are with your team as well. So yeah. What is the difference between a virtual assistant and an online business? I can't, well, I can't say this word. <laughs> online business manager. What's the difference? Okay. So uh, virtual assistants, that is typically the first hire that someone is going to make in their business. A VA really wears a lot of hats. They're helping in your email inbox, your social media, they're helping create graphics. Maybe they're mapping out your newsletter. Maybe they're uploading the newsletters. Maybe they're scheduling out content. Really just, they are the catch-all for the business. They're doing a lot of different tasks. They're implementing a lot of things. Now, as a business owner, great. You have an assistant, but you're still managing them. You are still telling them what to do, when it's due, how to do it. And as you grow your team, maybe you have two VAs or maybe you have a VA and then you get a social media manager. Again, as the business owner, you are still managing them and leading them and giving, you know, setting the expectations. At some point, you are going to be the bottleneck in your business again. You are going to be slowing down the process. Things need to get approved. Things need to be, you know, greenlit and moved on and executed on. That's where an OBM, an online business manager, comes in. They are leading the team. They're mapping out the project timelines. They're setting up all the backend systems and automations to streamline everything. And they're running the team meetings. They're checking in on everyone. Hey, where's this? How's that going? Amazing. You can take this. And can I give this to you? Like they are delegating. They are managing. So, and it really allows the business owner to step into that CEO role that only they can be in. They are the the visionary. They are the ideas person. Just like you mentioned, you send an idea to your team and they run with it, right? 
that is that is the role that CEOs need to be in. They shouldn't be worrying about their inbox or that you know graphic that needs to get posted on the. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just need you just need people running shit for you. And I think what holds a lot of people back, and it's so funny. Like we literally both just said, like, wow, wish we did this sooner because a lot of people think, and and a lot of the times this is you know influencers I'm I'm speaking with, and they all say, well, I can. I don't need someone to do that. Like I can do all of this. And it's like, yeah, no shit. You can do all of that, but it's going to take you longer. I, I chat with influencers and I check in with them, you know, once a month, every other month, they're still working on that project. They were telling me about two months ago, four months ago, six months ago, that project they told me about is not done. Guess why? Because they're the ones handling it. They need to just hand it off to someone else who's really freaking good at it, who can knock it out of the park in no time flat and send it back and then it's done. So yeah, you can do everything yourself, but you're going to get a lot farther, a lot faster if you have support. Um, yeah. And the it's thing like is like- saying- it's like the saying, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Exactly. Like you, need to, you need to build out a team. Um, is like, so like an OBM, is it typically, so if like the founder, the, the face of the brand is the, the founder, the CEO, would the OBM kind of be like the COO? Like for someone who exactly. was more familiar with like C-suite terms, is that kind of the equivalent? Yes. So an OBM would be a COO. All right, cool. Absolutely. And when is like, when do you think you said like, you know, eventually like the assistants, the social media managers, and then you still kind of become that bottleneck again. When do you think is the right time to hire someone like an OBM or a COO, not just financially, but also like when, like, you know, if the team has grown a certain amount or a certain amount of, you know, work is coming in, like, when is that time to take that next step to let go of that aspect of the business? Yeah. I think it takes a lot of self-awareness. You Like if you realize as a business owner that your assistants or your contractors are constantly waiting on you for updates or approvals. If project timelines are falling behind because you haven't provided the things that they're asking for. If you're constantly just rolling projects over. Okay. Uh, let's table that. Okay. Let me wait. What do you need for me that you need to realize? Got it. I'm the one slowing this down. So it might be time to bring in someone who can manage this for me so that I can actually just execute on the things that need my attention and the team can handle the rest. Yeah, Yeah. I'd say. What do you think then, like when you do hire that OBM and they're the ones running the, the, the show for you and you're just the visionary, what do you, how do you handle that as you being the face and the, the owner of the business, you know, like there's like that weird, like, when you want to come in and talk to the the people at the bottom and then there's like that OBM in the middle, it's like, where did that, like, you know, like it get, it can get sticky sometimes there's like overstepping. How do you navigate that? Like the, the level of trust that you have to put into this OBM, how do you find the right one? I guess is the, what I'm asking. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a couple things there. So first off, it can be scary to relinquish control in your business, but that is the only, I'm not saying you're handing over the keys to the kingdom, right? You are still, it is your baby. It is your business. So it's going to be about what are your expectations and desires for the business? 
and for this person who's coming in to be your right-hand woman, right? Your COO, your OBM. Um, and OBMs should be very good. You know, they will have had some experience under their belt, but the onboarding process is really where they lay down the foundation of, okay, here's how we're going to navigate this. Here's what I need from you. How do you want this to feel? Where do you feel things are lacking? Where do you feel there's a disconnect, right? How, how involved do you want to be on the team as the CEO, right? These are all things that OBM is going to be asking you, the business owner. And yeah, the, the application process, you know, it's not just a send me your resume type thing. It should be, you know, a very thought out, systematized application process of what is this role? What are the responsibilities? There are, you know, application questions you want to ask. You want to ask for sample work. Um, I always recommend doing a second round for test projects after, you know, the first or second interviews to actually see the work that they're able to do and generate for you. And ultimately, energetically finding someone who just feels good and who gets you as a business owner and is on board for the vision you have for your company. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say? So you described a couple of like day-to-day tasks for a virtual assistant. What are some day-to-day tasks for an OBM? Yeah. So an OBM really is, I, I like to call them like the team captains or like the team leaders, right? They are the point person for the full team. So, um, most important, like, you know, right now when this episode's out, it's going to be, we're wrapping up the new year, right? 2023 is coming to an end. So an OBM would plan a 2024 planning meeting with the CEO where you're going to review the previous year. You're going to talk about, okay, what did we create this year? What did we launch? How did it perform? Where can we rinse and repeat this next year or make that system better? Revenue and expenses. How much did we make? How much did we spend? Can we cut back in certain areas? Do we need to hire new team members to streamline stuff on the back end? And then ask, you know, an OBM is going to ask their CEO as well, you know, how did this year feel? Did you feel scattered? Did you feel that you were still doing too much? And then we're going to project, right, and map out 2024, the following year. So again, what does the audience need? What does your audience need? What are they asking for? What resources can we create? Um, what goals can we set, right? Let's set some KPIs so that we can measure ourselves at the end of the year again. Great. We need some new team members. Let's map out what those roles are specifically. What's our revenue goals? Um, how do you want to feel as the CEO? Do you want to only focus on content? Do you want to be more involved with your students and your programs or your courses? Do you want to take two weeks off of the business so you can go to Europe and chill and actually like have a vacation? Let's talk about it. And so really an OBM, they're coming in to support you in, in every way that they can. And then they take all of that. They create those project timelines, those launch plans. They give it to the team. They assign the duties. Um, and they're 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 running the team, so the CEO really can step back and just focus on the things they need to, like content, creating the resources, and connecting with their community. Yeah. Do you still personally you do the OBM role for other companies or or businesses, or are you just doing courses now? How did you structure that for yourself? Of like your business is 
teaching people how to do this, but do you still do it as well? Yeah. So I still have um, influencer clients and creative entrepreneur clients that I support. I did a bunch of, you know, retainer work earlier this year, then added my coaching on top of that. And am now doing more kind of one-off strategy sessions, like month to month with business owners, a couple retainer clients, but adding, sprinkling in some more just project-based services for business owners while ramping up my coaching programs. Yeah. So I'm still kind of, I got my feet in all the different pools or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as, as far as structuring my days, I, I like to start with my business and my programs, then move into client work. Um, I find that I'm most focused and creative in the morning. So I want to execute on all my ideas and check in on my students then I will shift to, okay, now I'm going to put my OBM hat on and get into all of my clients' accounts, check in on everything, move the move the process along for all of them. Yeah. How do you balance that? Doing it for yourself versus doing it for clients? Do you have an OBM for your own personal business or is it you? Uh, so I just hired an OBM. I've had a VA for... I've had a few different kinds of assistants. Like I first started with like, it was like a paid internship. I had someone like helping me write blog posts, uh, which didn't, I have not stuck to that. So, okay. Learn from that. Then I had, you know, a content assistant who I worked with for about a year. She was amazing. She would just take my ideas and repurpose it and come up with different ideas. And then I would film it. She'd find the trending audio. So I didn't have to just be like scrolling and swiping. And then I hired uh, another assistant to help with my programs, the backend admin, creating the course slides. I had a different assistant for a few months helping with like the tech setup and the automations there. Because again, I'm an OBM and can do all this, but I have so much to do that it'll be faster if I just hand it off to someone else who's equally as good as it, good at it because I have to do my other work. I have to actually create the resources and I don't need to worry about creating canvas slides or setting up an automation. Someone else can do that. And then now I, I hired an OBM cause I was like, I'm bottlenecking. I have all these ideas. I need someone to help me just take it all and map it out because it is funny. It's like, I do this for other people, but for some reason, when it comes to my own business, I'm like, um, no, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm not sure the best way to, it's you always, it's just better to get an outside perspective, you know, cause they can yeah. really take that bird's eye view and see it all and make sense of it where in my head it's all jumbled. So yes, I love my OBM and I still have a virtual assistant. So I have two contractors on my team. Um, they're amazing. Like they are the reason I can do so much all the time. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Are, so I know VAs are typically hourly or maybe retainer, their independent contractor style, the agreement is structured that way. But for an OBM, is that a full-time position or is that a part-time position as well? Still, yeah, still an independent contractor role. So they're going to be setting their own rates, what be it hourly or retainer. I'd say OBMs definitely lean more towards like monthly retainers and flat rates, but yeah, still, still the same kind of legalities for, you know, as a virtual assistant, they're just taking on more in the business. Yeah. Yeah. I did a retainer for both of my assistants and one is more yeah. of backend admin, more the OBM ish role potentially want her to become that. If I don't hire an outside person, like someone from your course Oh, and then the other girl is more of the 
content creation, social media manager VA. And it's funny because I originally was like, I'm just going to hire one. And then I started interviewing and I had like, I think I told you this. I, I used the socially ambitious course and I had Mm -hmm. 20 to 30 interviews in the span of like three weeks, which was exhausting. And then like, I would never do that. (laughs) Because I had so many inquiries and I was like, I've never, did you have an application form or did you just say, email me? So they did the application form for me on their, Oh, they do it. Okay. Yeah. They do it for you. They put the job posting in their Facebook group and then did you talk to everyone or did you just, did you filter out and you found I filtered, I filtered out, but I still talked to like a good, I had like 30 to 40 inquiries. I maybe talked to like 15 or 20, Uh, but I talked to more via email, obviously like, and then I, but then I narrowed it down to like four or five and then I had callbacks and that's mm-hmm. why I ended up, but I was like, by the time I talked to like those four or five once or twice, I was like, I think I'm going to do two because I want, like I, one person can't do both things. They can do more specialized. They can tasks. do. And also yes. this is a great example of what an OBM could handle for you. They can handle the applications. They can handle the first round interviews, all that communication. And then you step in as the CEO for the callbacks and reviewing the test projects. So, oh, I, I, so it's funny because it's hilarious that I went through this process right before meeting you because now that I know about what an OBM is, I'm like, now I know that that's a future, like I'm already thinking 2024 expansion plans. Like, Oh, 100%. And I was telling you that when I went to homecoming, my professor asked me and I actually had Mm -hmm. a call. I have a two week, every two weeks I have a call with both of my assistants and we like talk about what we're working on and what we're working on for right now. What we're planning, obviously we're talking a lot of right now, Right now, we're really just doing social media content creation for this for the next two months or a year, month and a half, because we'll hit the ground running come January. Yep. So we're doing that 2024 planning. And it's like, I already now, now that I've met you, I'm like, I'm adding to the list of like OBM come maybe yeah. this time next year, you know, to plan yeah, for 2025. For sure. But financially, I'm not there yet, but I know I need to hire yeah. a CPA and an OBM at some point in the near future. Um, Absolutely. But going back to like pricing, what do you recommend these people when they are providing these services because they are so involved in the business and also with the legalities coming from the lawyer perspective, like, you know, are they like, who owns the IP of the systems and processes and like the graphics and like all of that, like, is that in the contracts? Like, how do, like, I know you know that and I know that, but like these people who want to do this course and learn about this and then be like, oh, that would be a cool job. They might not know. So how do you yeah. teach them and how to price yourself and how to know what to look for in a contract when you're being hired to perform these services? Yeah. So since I'm not a lawyer, I hired a lawyer to come in and teach our students. So I have a whole Amazing. guest module on legal essentials for virtual assistants, what to look for in contracts, Amazing. what should be in your contracts. And also influencer term contracts. So I'm teaching my VAs what influencer brand collaboration contracts look like um, so that they can just get familiar. But yeah, so that's the thing. You have to look in the contract, right? It's work for hire. So most of the time, what you're creating is for the business to use. But in certain terms, there might be an intellectual property term that you add in there. If you are You know, if someone hires you to create some sort of educational resource or, or a whole new course that you're helping them create, it's like, well, 
do I get a cut of that when it's sold because I wrote it or I created it? Like it, it, it's, it's really, there's so many ways to go about it in the specifics, but um, definitely would chat with a lawyer, get a good contract in place as an independent contractor, make sure the terms protect you as well. There's, there's legal no, stuff. I'm, it's overwhelming. It, yeah, no, it a hundred percent is. And I only mainly work on the influencer partnership side, but as a law firm owner, I have had to do the if the the independent contractor agreements for my assistants and you know talking about who owns those IP the IP and all of that and I have seen those contracts before so I think it's really smart and makes me happy like the lawyer said me happy that you did hire a lawyer to help you oh my god your yeah. contract <laughs> and also teach your students this because I feel like that's where oh like there's just so many people in the digital space doing all these really cool things, but nobody really talks about like the financial and the legal side and the implications. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, is so important. And I love that I get to touch on those things because of my background. And that's why I wanted to ask. And I think it's, well, and I got my, my, my lawyers, they, you know, drafted up a contract template that my students could use as well. So they literally get contracts made by a lawyer. Yeah. And then I also brought in a financial advisor to teach virtual assistants, you know, small business finance basics. So you can start on, you know, a strong foundation with tracking your revenue, your expenses, your profit, setting aside savings, et cetera. No, that's incredible. And you know, I don't foresee myself ever creating a course or doing something like that, but I think it's, that, oh, that is a whole other can of worms. No, People we're going to get there. We're going to go there. I get so fired up about it. I don't foresee myself doing that, but I think it's important that you, you knew that you needed to have those people be a part of it as well. And, you know, you're giving your students the best resources because I'm sure there's a lot of people doing kind of what you do, but maybe not doing it as what's the word, like well-rounded and fully like, you know, uh, encompassing all of those things that need to be in there that people don't realize they need to be in there. But how did you, when did the idea for you to create a course, your first one at least, Mm -hmm. and how do you even go about creating a course? Because there's so much talk now about like people creating courses, like the average influencer now has a course on XYZ and there's so much more that goes into it and they don't even realize it. So I'm curious. Yeah. Who is yeah. So here's the thing. Courses are a great way to diversify your income streams and eventually create passive income, right? Down the line, maybe you throw some paid ads behind it. You're generating sales while you sleep. Um, there's so much that goes into creating a course and marketing it and selling it effectively and successfully. Um, for me, I kept finding myself saying like, I wish I could just like, you know, I was booked out. I had a wait list. I had these creators looking for this kind of help, that kind of help. And I'm like, I wish I knew people who were niche down like me to support influencers. I wish, uh, I wish I had, I wish I had clones. I wish I could just like have a bunch of influencer VA friends that did what I did and understood the industry. And like, I could just refer them. And I was like, wait, here we go. This does not exist. And at the time it didn't, like there were no influencer. And that's how a virtual. business is born. Finding that white space. That's Find the literally gap. how Find I got to where I am too. Literally. And it truly was a light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. This does not exist currently. 
So I'm going to create it. And obviously now there's a few of us doing this, but I was like, whoa, this is such a cool opportunity. And I went all in, I mapped it out. I was like, okay, well, what does a virtual assistant need to know in order to support an influencer? And I mapped out all the modules and the lessons and I worked with my coach and we streamlined it and okay, well, I need to add a template library and a bonus library and, you know, all these walkthroughs of the different softwares and so on and so forth. And it's now just turned in, I'm already working on updates for the next round of uh, update of the course, but that's what really started it is like a need for a resource like this. And Mine is not just a course, it's a group training program, online course hybrid. So it'll never just be a self-paced course, I don't think. I think they work fine, self-paced courses, but there's there's just you can there's more when you have a mentor and a coach in your corner coaching you through things, answering your questions in real time, guiding you and preparing you for that discovery call you just landed that you're nervous about. I'm literally, I'm there every day, Monday through Friday, talking to you. And I think that's so important for, especially as people are starting out, like they do need someone to, to kind of ground them and, and keep their, you know, tunnel vision on, okay, well, this is what we're doing. Don't stress about that. Here's what we're going to do. Send this back to me for review. But yeah, (laughs) the other thing about everyone thinks courses are, okay, I'm just going to make a course and sell it and I'll make passive income. No, of course they're never passive. They're never passive. You have to constantly (laughs) talk about it. You have to constantly market it. You have, now you have to update it, right? There's new, there's new things you have to add. You have to set up all, you have to get all these softwares to automate it. Like you need, it's just, there's, it's so much work. And I I tell people that before when they think, oh, maybe I'll make a course. I'm like, are you sure? Let's talk about this. And then if it's like a really, you know, it's, if it's a, it's a great idea, then absolutely. Like, let's go for it. But I fully did market research, competitive analysis, um, before I did anything. Yeah. Why did you niche down to influencers? I know that cause you came from a talent background and like yeah. theater. So, and then a tattoo shop. So then why mm-hmm. niche down to influencers and, or is it just influencers or like anybody who is an entrepreneur in the creator economy adjacent or like, how did you find which niche was the right niche for you? So, yeah, I started with influence. Well, you know, the first few months I was like, I'm a virtual assistant. I help any business owner. And then I realized because I was helping my influencer friend at the time, I was like, wait, I have a bunch of influencer friends. I was in the influencer world just like for fun, New York scene. You know, I lived in New York for almost a decade. So I had all these creator friends And just, I understood the industry because I had the experience from the talent agencies of negotiating and usage and the term, like just all that kind of stuff. It's very similar, um, the acting contracts to the influencer contracts. So, but I had all these influencer friends and I realized they're all hot messes in the best way. Like they are so creative. They are so full of just ideas and they have these incredible audiences that they're not necessarily leveraging. And I realized, I was like, wait a second, this could be my niche. I could support influencers specifically. And again, it was one of those light bulb moments. My gut was like, yes, this is it. And I just ran with it from there. That was two, three months in. Um, and I've, I've been niched down to support influencers ever since, but yeah, influencers, content creators now through my influencer OBM Academy training program, uh, 
really just any sort of creative entrepreneur as a whole. I support my students support my programs obviously are marketed to, you know, people wanting to support influencers, but all of the lessons and strategies taught inside the programs can be applied to any niche of client. I have students like who help realtors, pet influencers, health coaches, like it really, you can help anyone. Um, but obviously the, the meat of the program is on how to support influencers specifically. Yeah. That was my next question. So do you, who is your ideal client? Is it people who want to be influencers themselves and this is their way of getting in? Do they need to be familiar with the industry before or do you teach them everything they need to know? And then, yeah, could it have been transferable to other things if they decide working with an influencer isn't really what they want? Um, which you answered the last one, but yeah, who is this? Who are your programs for? Like my ideal students? Yeah. So anyone who wants to either start a side hustle, start their virtual assistant business, scale their existing virtual assistant business, they would be a great fit for influencer support method. Um, and then from there, once you're a virtual assistant, you're quickly going to realize, got it, I'm now time and income capped, and I want to raise my rates, and I want to scale my business. So okay, I think now it's time to pivot into an OBM role. And that's where Influencer OBM Academy comes in. And that, you know, you could be in corporate, you could be in, in nine to five and wanting to explore the online business space. You could be a virtual assistant ready to level up. You could be an online business manager currently, but wanting to learn more about the influencer industry and how you can apply your OBM skills there. Really, my, my two signature programs are for the woman who is ready to start their own business, be it a small side hustle to start or to go full-time in their business. I've had students leave their full-time jobs to now take their business full-time. I've had students only do this on the side for one or two clients because that just feels good to them. So there's really no right or wrong way to go about it. But if you're curious about creating more freedom in your life and, and bringing in some extra income, these programs are, are a great start. Yeah. How do you, what do you recommend when starting to price it out for these people who like the ones who want to do it as a side hustle in addition to their income or their stay at home moms, but they want to have mm -hmm. some money coming in, let's say yeah, is the people who want to make this their full-time thing. And then how do you yeah. help them not just price, but structure their business? Do you recommend them to professionals who can help them with business entity formation, finances, like all of that stuff? So as far as rates, the thing about being an independent contractor is that you can charge whatever you want. So that is always the caveat I remind my students of. You can charge whatever you want. My students in the virtual assistant training program started a minimum of 25 an hour. That's like the lowest I tell my students to go. I started at $40 an hour. So my students are in the 25 to $40 an hour range. Yeah. But again, some throw out a $50 an hour proposal and it gets accepted, right? Like it really is what you want to charge, what your current and existing skill sets are. Maybe you have some skills that other people don't have. You can charge more for that. And especially the more, the more specific of a task you're performing for someone like video editing or podcast editing, like obviously that is going to be a higher rate than inbox management, you know, like it's very different work that you're doing. Um, and that definitely warrants a higher rate. Um, but how I help my students, um, in 
my virtual assistant program price themselves, I first ask, what does your dream week look like? I have a whole exercise on this and I get really, I want to know what does your week look like? How do you want your week to feel? Do you want to sleep in? Do you want to work with two clients, three clients? Do you want an hour lunch break every day? Are you a night owl? Like what? And I literally have them create a Google calendar of their dream week because this is exactly what I did when I got laid off. I woke up the next day. I mapped out what my dream week as a virtual assistant would look like. It was my reality within two months. So I have my students do this I so this I can get a picture. Yes, I. it's so powerful. I get clear as their coach of, okay, you know, this is what Kayla's dream week looks like. So this is how I'm going to help her get there. Once I know that, we then reverse engineer it. Okay, well, Kayla, I know your dream week now. What's your dream income each month? Okay, if it's 5K months, great. Let's divide that by the number of hours you want to work each week. And then we go from there. So it really is a, a very unique case-by-case -case basis. And again, that's why having a coach to talk through with all of this is so important to me because sure, I could teach you this in a, in a course. You could learn this in a course, but when you're like, but wait, how do I apply this? Or how do I negotiate this? Or how do I, you know, show people this value? Like you need a coach to talk to. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I, I work on that with my students. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And it's funny. So I did to do trademarks. I did a course that is there wasn't that the coaching component was the extra. So I just did the base one, which was just the course that's evergreen. And at the time I didn't need the coaching course part because I thought I was going to go to a firm and offer this. Now I'm yep. like, okay, I could benefit from the coach. So that is something I do want to invest in again yep. with the CPA alongside the OBM invest in a coach. And yep. I already know who my coach is going to be. She works with law firm owners and lawyers specifically. Amazing. That's going to be such and, a game changer. Yeah. Oh, I, I already tell her every time I talk to her, like we went to dinner a couple months ago. I'm like, Alex, like her name is also Alex. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> I'm like, and so I'm like, you and I, I'll, I'll, I'll call yeah. you. Yeah, um, I love that. I'm but, excited for you. Yeah. I'm so excited. Like I just, I'm like, I'm jittery of like all the things I want to, I'm like, slow your roll. Like you're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. Gonna get there. But how do you help them with structuring your business, your like their business as a VA, as an OBM, if they're doing it, like, you know, starting off doing it part-time, but they still need an LLC. They still need the bank accounts. They still need the systems and processes and softwares, you know, all of that stuff to then be able to make it a full-time thing if they want to. Do you help them in your program, teaching them how to do that? Or do you have referrals or partners that help them do oh, that? Oh yeah. I, it's really like, from start to finish, I am there with you, helping you either start or scale your business. So um, as far as structuring their business and their working hours, you know, we also get really clear on their offer suite and what kind of services they want to offer. <laughs> so many students come in and they list out all these things that they think, you know, oh, well, this is what virtual assistants do. And I'm like, okay, and how many of those do you actually enjoy doing? And they're like, mm like half of them. I'm like, great, delete the half you hate because why would you offer services that you don't enjoy doing? And it's it's like a mindset switch. It's so much mindset work we do of like, they realize, oh, wait, so I don't have to offer these kinds of services. And I'm like, no, like, and obviously this is more virtual assistant world, 
OBMs, there's definitely a, a kind of clear structure you follow as an OBM as far as like your responsibilities and stuff. But, you know, these new VAs I'm, I'm coaching, they're, they're like, their mind is blown when I tell them they don't have to offer that, that service. And I'm like, yeah, like this is literally the point of starting your own business. Like you make it what you want to. So, um, yeah. And then I, I had student come in, she was working a full-time job that she hated. She's like, my goal is by the new year to leave this job and, and take my VA work full-time. And she just gave notice a week ago. So by the time this recording's out, she is going to be fully in her business, uh, which is so exciting. Yeah. But you know, we worked on it in a way where, okay, she's at that point where she has these recurring clients. She has these other offers that she's marketing. And once she has that time in her schedule now, since leaving the full-time job, she'll have that space to call in more aligned clients and work on the projects that excite her. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And I just think it's really incredible. And I said this earlier with like the legal and the financial side, but that you give from start to finish the whole thing, everything you need, the trademark course that I did with the exception of the coaching component, she did the same thing. Like the contracts that I needed to start my own trademark law firm, she gave you in the course. That's awesome. The yeah. value of that course. I joke yeah. because now we're friends. I'm like, girl, you could charge so much more. Like I'm glad to <laughs> but like you could, like I would pay if I could, I would pay so much more because there's so much value here and yeah you have access to her community you have her phone number you have her email there's a Facebook group and I would honestly say like I would say like 90% of the girls doing what I do are all her students like we're all friends Amazing. We're all and that's such a testament to the value of her program and her coaching yeah. so I love that yours is very similar um yeah that and I think the coaching component is incredible because you know, like I said, I have to go find it separately. And I'm okay with that because at the time my plan changed the vision I had when I first took it to now a year ago, like that was a very different thing. But I think if the people having that built in, is it, do you, do you offer it separately or do you have to get the coaching? Code? It's, it's, it is all or nothing. So when you enroll in influencer support method, it's 12 weeks, you have the self-paced course. We have like four to seven calls a month between coffee chats, co-working calls, content calls, coaching calls, engagement calls. There's so many calls in the, in the ISM program. Um, but that's, it's all included. And then influencer OBM Academy, that next tier program is a five month group coaching program with my colleague, Sam Wisnant. She's also an OBM, um, for multi six and seven figure, business owners and we're both in there together. So influencer OBM Academy, there's no option in any of my programs to just buy the course because I truly believe in order for you to fully conceptualize and understand the strategies and the lessons we're teaching, you have to have coaches to ask questions to, to get their ideas so that we can create a custom game plan for you and your business, because it's going to be different from so-and-so over here. Everyone's going to have a different goal, a different vision for themselves. And that's where a coach and a mentor can really come in, especially when you're having those low days, when you're feeling discouraged, having that person in your corner to say, Hey, I hear you. I get it. And I've been there and that's okay. But here's how we're going to redirect this. Okay. And it's just, yeah, my favorite thing ever. 
No, that that's great. I, I, again, I wish I would have known to invest in that at the time, but I also didn't feel I needed to because I had the mentors who had already gone through the course that were my mentors that I, if I have a question, I pick up the phone or I DM them and they help me. Yeah, absolutely. But having that, you do need to have that coaching or that mentorship component that is essential in, in anything in life, honestly. And I I find it funny going back to what you said at the very beginning of like, you would walk into a room. You didn't know. I'm like, hi, my name is Alex. Like, what's your name? Like networking. (laughs) Like that's I'm, I'm the same way. And that has been what has allowed me to get to where I am today. I wouldn't have known that I could make this a career and combine those two things had I not had the mentors that I did because I slid into a DM and was like, Hey, I think this is really cool what you're doing. Like, how did you get into this? Um, exactly. I think it's incredible that you offer such a holistic program and you, you, we've talked about this kind of a little bit, but for you, like taking away the core side of things, but like for you as yourself, a business owner, what are the other things that you need besides a lawyer and a financial person, like a CPA, what are other professionals that you need? What are the people you go to? Who are your mentors? Who are your board of directors that help you build your business besides your virtual assistant, your OBM, your lawyer, and your CPA, anybody else that you use every day or week? Um, so let's see, honestly, if, if we're taking away lawyer accountant and you know lawyer is just to copyright and trademark my stuff uh to set up my llc's accountant is tax season and obm and va if we're taking away those people it's me and i you know did have a, a business coach and mentor for about a year as well but now i'm you know done with that and it, it's me so I'd say in the beginning days of of starting a virtual assistant or online business management business yeah you really just need to have you know tracking your finances setting up your LLC and contracts and just start like there's no there's obviously recommended ways of starting but at the end of the day I mean you just got to start you you could take all the courses watch all the tutorials learn all the lessons, but if you're not actively putting yourself out there, connecting with people and marketing yourself and your services, you're missing out, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I just was curious if there was anybody else you used because as I'm scaling my businesses, I'm starting to think of all those people. And because you do teach that, so you've seen like the little pitfalls and like Mm -hmm. all the ins and outs of like what someone needs to run a successful business. But what do you think has been the best part for you about running your own business now that you're going into almost year three, you're, you're, you're doing it and you're in it. Yeah. So crazy. What is the, what is the best thing and what is the the hardest thing about running your own business? Mm, I'd say the best thing for me personally is that I get to just create when I have an idea I can run with it if I want to. Like if I, you know, if something's not working or, or if, or if our system, if our process is slow, I'm like, this isn't working. Let's, let's scrap that. And let's put this new system and process in place. And it's like in corporate, you'd have to get approval from all the different teams and, and okay, well, I'm still waiting for so-and-so to sign off on that. And it's like, no, I don't have time. Like that's the best part about running my own business. I'm like, no, fast and furious. I'm taking action. I'm making things happen. One of the more challenging parts of being a business owner is like, 
it, it, it isn't always steady, right? Your income will fluctuate based on how many clients you have, or if you launched a program or, you know, so on and so forth. So that can sometimes I think scare people. Um, it doesn't really scare me, but sometimes it's like, oh, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, wow, I actually made more than I thought I did. Or, or if I'm, you know, reviewing finances, I'm like, oh, wait, why was that month so low? Oh, right. Cause I, you know, took a two week vacation and, and, you know, took some time off. So if you're not working, you're not making money. Right. So that is kind of, uh, a, a downside to it. I'd say just the, not, not as consistent as a nine to five with the benefits, with the paid time off, you know, traditional stuff like that. How do you handle that? That's something I'm in the phase of as well. Like the benefits, the 401k, the Roth IRA health insurance. How do you, how do you handle that? Or how do you recommend to your students to handle that as they, you know, decide to go all in on this? So I can only give them recommendations. Like, again, I'm not, you know, any sort of HR or legal or financial professional, but I just share with them kind of what I do. So that's, um, I, I have my Roth IRA set up, uh, which thank God my dad is a big finance guy. Cause otherwise <laughs> I'd have no idea what the hell any of that means or what to do with it. And then health insurance, I just bought from my, you know, marketplace, um, healthcare marketplace. And that varies, you know, from state to state, wherever you're based. And I set up a really good Google spreadsheet tracking my monthly finances and expenses, paying my quarterly estimated taxes as yep. best I can in advance of, of tax season. Um, yeah, I forgot what the question was. No, what? that that was it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going through all this as well, you know. I'm, yeah. And it's funny. So you're, you said your parents are Air Force. Um, my dad's a Marine. Mm-hmm. So I have USAA and thank God. Oh, for- oh yeah. Yep. USAA. <laughs> When it comes to insurance, health, and uh, car insurance, but yeah, so it and the quarterly taxes is huge. I actually, just did a TikTok today about what no one tells you about going into entrepreneurship money edition. So I was talking about nice. that. Nice. Um, but yeah, I I'm in this I'm in that boat as well, and it's just crazy. Again, like I wish I would have known you sooner, but like, <laughs> but now here I we know. are. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think personally has been the best? lesson for you that you've learned as an entrepreneur or what have you learned about yourself as an entrepreneur in the last few years? Yeah. I'd say, I don't, I mean, it's something I've always known about myself, but it really solidified itself in me when I became an entrepreneur. Whenever I want something really badly, I am like laser focused. The blinders are on. Nothing's getting in my way kind of mentality. And I've, I've always accomplished the things I said I I've wanted, um, when I really go all in on them. And I think that really just helped me as an entrepreneur because not everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. Like some people should not be entrepreneurs. Like if you're not okay with taking risks, being uncomfortable, putting yourself out there, hustling whenever you can, like maybe you should just do the normal nine to five. Um, because it is, it is challenging. You have to have a very strong mindset. Um, and be open to just learning more about yourself in that way. But yeah, I'd say I, I just, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I always thought I would be, you know, helping run companies in the C-suite, which is funny because in a way I, I really am helping, helping these CEOs run their companies just in a very different way than I thought I would. So I guess 
yeah, I, I'm, I've just learned a lot about myself, but more so the fact that like, I can do this. And if I say I'm going to do something and I put my mind to it and I don't get distracted and I just go all in, I will make it happen. It's so funny because that you just said that about, you never saw yourself being an entrepreneur, but you ended up doing what you thought you were going to do, which is- Yeah, I literally, people would, I'd be like, oh, Alex, do you want to be a CEO someday? And I was like, no, but I'd be really good at helping CEOs. And this was like when I was in corporate, like, you know, when I was working nine to fives, but it, it really, I'm- I'm helping CEOs in, in just a very different way than I originally thought. So that's, that's funny. And no, it's hilarious because I remember the semester that I went, I was in clinic at my school, which is when I learned about trademarks and the USPTO. And I was like, oh, I have this crazy idea, AKA what I'm now doing three years later. That yeah. semester, there was like a trend on Instagram where you asked your audience what they thought you would do, like your career. And mm. I got CEO or motivational speaker, which is oh my like, God, I love. fun fact, six months later, I started a podcast kind of love it. again, when that answer came through, I was like, Hmm, that would be fun. And then <laughs> CEO, I was like, nah, like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur, but little yeah. did I know that I would end up becoming an entrepreneur myself and be a CEO of not just one business, but two. And one of them's a law firm. And so that's just really funny. And then the other thing that makes me laugh about that is I was talking about this and I made a TikTok about it a couple of weeks ago because my dad and I were talking. He's like, with the networking thing, he used to bring me to any networking event that he could so I could talk to lawyers. And he would always, you know, want me in the room. I interned with a lot of lawyers. I interned at property management companies, at banks, at loan offices, at like private equity companies. So I could be in the room with the, the kinds of, mostly men that like I wanted to work with yeah. lawyers. So you just get used to that environment. Yeah. And like, he was like, you can talk to anybody and you are such a good networker. It's like, I don't think it's six degrees of separation with you. I think it's like three to four at this point. Yeah. And like your name, you are a brand. Like you are building a brand. He was the one that told me to start a blog in 2018 in college. Dad, I, I love what it. What got me to literally everything I have now was it was him and they were gung-ho about the podcast from the jump and it's just funny he's like you are building a personal brand your name is your brand your reputation the way you present yourself you are a brand and funny enough what do I do I help people protect their brands and it's just like a full circle moment very similar to you so I just laugh at that that we both said we weren't going to become entrepreneurs but not only did yeah, we I didn't even think about it. I was like, that sounds like a lot of work. No. <laughs> but like not only did we both become entrepreneurs, but what we do as entrepreneurs is like exactly what we said we wanted to do in a roundabout yeah. way. We in a roundabout help. way. Yeah, I love so, it. It's just it's freaking cool. And again, I wish I would have met you earlier because I think, you know, not just like us as friends, but like just like helping each other like in the next phases of our business and just like yeah. together on because I think there's so many people nowadays doing things like what we do in the space in the on social media but there's so much misinformation there's just so much out there and like we could guide each other in the right direction um and build a community doing that but it's it's just really cool and I'm so grateful you came on the podcast if you could give the listeners one piece of advice just in general like if they're kind of where you were at you know they're getting laid off or they're graduating from college even. And they're like, I don't really like, I have this degree, but like, I don't know if I want to do this or like they're, they're at that stage where it's like kind of time to pivot. What do you mm-hmm. 
just fucking go for it. Like life is short, you know, obviously we want to be smart about it. Like I, I had my, my emergency savings there. I had my severance. Right. But at the end of the day, just fucking go for it. Like take action. I am not a huge proponent of sitting around and thinking about things too much. Like I'm very much like, okay, well let's try it. And if I don't like it, I'll put it down and pick something else up. So, um, if you feel just this whisper or call to try something new or to put yourself out there, or, you know, you feel like you're playing small and you're done with that, then see what happens. And it, it also doesn't mean you need to quit your job and, and start over. It could just, maybe you're exploring on the side or on the weekends of these new hobbies or passions or side hustles. But, um, there's nothing worse than just wondering if it could have turned into something. You might as well just see. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, my love. Thanks for having me. This was so yeah, fun. Of course. Where can everyone find you? I'll link it all below. Yes. So on Instagram, I'm at alexporterfield.biz. Please come say hi. Let's chat about your business if you have any questions. And I have a bunch of free resources, guides, masterclasses uh, for my programs. So we'll we'll link those as well. But um, very excited to have been here connecting with you all. And I'm just glad we're friends now, Kayla. Yeah, me too. I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Bye.